This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. We're so ready for what you have for us. We believe that with all our heart that we can walk through these doors and, and experience a new life, we can experience a new hope, we can experience freedom. And so I pray that just for a few moments we can lay everything aside and we just come before you and we expect you to move. We expect to be different when we leave these doors than when we came. We believe that you have something available for us right here and right now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. You guys can have a seat. I mean, you sound great today, by the way. You guys know how to sing. This church knows how to sing. What's up? I love that. Hey, my name is Colby. Thank you. Woo! I'm the pastor here. If this is your first time coming, I mean, you picked a great week. We're in the season, um, the holiday season, one of the most stress-filled kind of seasons. Now, here's what I believe. You have stress all year long. We all do. To some sort of degree, you have stress in your life. It's just that during this time of year, it's amplified. During this time of year, perhaps you feel it more than any other time. This is supposed to be a season of peace and joy, right, and tranquility, all that stuff. But it seems to be this season of stress for many different reasons. So preparing uh, for this, this short series, really only two weeks. We started last week, uh, and we're going to finish it up this week. I asked the question, what are the greatest points of pain in your life during this time of year? Like, wh- what are the greatest areas that cause you stress. And so last week we talked, you know, a lot about where we focus our lives, how we prioritize. This week, I think hands down, one of the greatest points of stress during this time of year is in our finances, is in our money. Now, this isn't really about money. This is not going to be a message on how you get free from debt, all right? That's not what this is. There's no way, you know, in 25, 30 minutes that we can cover all that. But hands down, Uh, It's our finances that cause us a lot of stress, a lot of bankruptcy, a lot of jobs moving. You might find yourself, you know, unemployed. All that going on impacts us on a personal level. And so much of the stress that's in our life is centered around money. And in a season that's supposed to be filled with giving and peace and joy, it's not. It's filled with, with stress. And because of that, what I want us to do today is take a look at what our lives are centered on and answer this question, can we stress less in a season that is so stressful? And I think the answer is a resounding yes. In fact, I believe God says we must find peace during this this season. And I think there are some solutions, some things that we can put into practice uh, as it relates to our finances right now that will, in fact, Help us. Now, this is, again, not a seminar on being, you know, debt-free. 
Like this is not on how you recover your finances. I believe recovery takes time, but peace can happen today. Peace can happen now. Recovery takes time, but you can experience peace in this area of your life before you leave these doors. And I believe that with my whole heart. But because this isn't about stress here's, or about debt, here's what I'm gonna tell you. At the beginning of the year, for those of you that need some practical help, all right, quick little announcement. At the beginning of the year, we're gonna start a Financial Peace University. For those of you that really need some practical help in this area so you can live financially free. But today is not about getting out of debt. It's about helping you get past misery. Because I think a lot of us are miserable and here's why. Ultimately, we are a people of freedom. Like, we love freedom, right? We, we all, there's a little bit of brave heart in all of us. Freedom! There's a little bit of blue face paint. There's a little bit of Mel Gibson in all of us. This, is, is in fact, is the land of the free. So we really enjoy our freedom. The problem is, you're not. You're not free, in fact, in this area, we're experiencing a lot of bondage. What we said last week was 100 uh, people, the average person spends 117% of their income, right? So 17% uh, more than what they, they make. So we're not free, we're in bondage. And the problem is, um, this is something that's gone on for, for centuries. History has a way of repeating itself, and oftentimes we don't learn from it. We study history, but we don't make too many adjustments from what we learn. But here's, here's what's happened. Here's kind of the, the overarching theme, what's gone on for thousands really of years is freedom in civilizations, freedom in people produces prosperity. And unfortunately, we don't know how to handle prosperity. A lot of times we will abuse prosperity. And we had no idea uh, what to do with the fact that as a nation, we're so blessed. As a nation, we're blessed by God. As a nation, we're blessed by the principles this country was founded on. But prosperity, like we've experienced, and here in the U.S., we are one of the most prosperous countries in the world. But prosperity, when mishandled, leads to bondage. And many of our problems as a nation stem from not knowing how to handle this prosperity. Colby, what do you mean? How does that, that work? Well, what happens is prosperity stirs up greed. And when you're prosperous, you, you have freedom and then you have prosperity, what you wanna do is, well, I want more. Like, this, this feels good, I like this. So what we do is we go after more, we go after bigger, we go after better, we become less content with what we had. Prosperity stirs up greed. And so the Christmas season, it gets full on, baby. Is like consumer driven, right? And we've forgotten the meaning of what it's all about. We've forgotten the fact that it's, that it's all about God sending Jesus to this earth for us. And we forget the fact that it's his birthday. Here we are getting gifts, right? And it's not our birthday. It's the only birthday where we get the gifts. We've forgotten the meaning of it. In fact, I submit that we've removed the substance of the season and replaced it with the stuff of the season, or we've replaced the substance with the stuff. And so we find ourselves in this, this attitude of wanting more, this is driving us more, bigger, better, all this kind of stuff. Are you sure, Colby? Yes, I'm sure. That's why Black Friday is now Black Tuesday. Like we said last week, right? I mean, it comes earlier and earlier and earlier every single year. Why? Because people can't wait. 
to spend their money. And so I've sat and thought about this for a while and think, uh, maybe like some of you, how, how did we go so far beyond what I believe God really intended for this season? We've actually brought on a lot of stress in, our, in ourselves. And you might say, well, it's, it's, it's the culture's fault. It's uh, you know, just the world that we live in, that's the problem. And I would agree with you to a certain extent. However, it's foolish to think that the change that we need doesn't first start with us. Doesn't first start with me. And I'm just as much to blame with this as anyone. I hope you guys understand that I don't bring you messages and point the finger at you saying, you need to change this until I first look in the mirror at myself. And I'm just as much a part of the problem. Allowing, you know, greed in the season to kind of, you know, take center stage and not and be the central focus of my life. Did you hear uh, about the guy who last year forgot to get his wife a Christmas present? That's bad news, guys, just by the way. He forgot. With all the gift giving going on, you know, he just, he's like, honey, I forgot. And so she woke up Christmas morning and was like, look, dude. By this time tomorrow, there needs to be something in that driveway that goes from zero to 200, just like that. And so sure enough, she wakes up the next morning, looks out the window, and in the driveway, there's this box. And so it's a little box, so she's confused. So she runs down, opens it up, and it was a brand new, shiny bathroom scale. (laughs) Zero to 200, just like that. And that guy's never been seen from or heard again. Rest his soul. I tell you that because you needed to laugh. Because the rest of this probably is not going to be so funny. I think we all have bought into this. And so I want to start first by saying we're all a little jacked up, including myself. I think we've all allowed kind of this, this season and not being content with what we have. And, and there's, greed has impacted us all. In fact, it's proven statistically as a whole that Americans have become less and less generous as the years go by. In fact, you know who the most generous people are according to stats in America? Are the poor. It's not the ones who make the most, give the most. How ironic is that? The more you make, statistics show the less that you give. You know what that is? Freedom produces prosperity. And we're prosperous, and we don't know what to do with it, and prosperity leads to to bondage. And so here we are doing it over and over and over again, and we're miserable. We're miserable. And so here's a verse um, that describes, I believe, right where we are. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me define what contentment is. Contentment means you're happy with what you got. It means you're, you're, you're good with where things are in your, your life. You're, like, you're okay. You're satisfied with where things are. But chances are, very few of us are. Chances are, very few of us in this room will actually do less this Christmas season and not more. We'll do more. And I don't mean just spending more. I mean doing more. You're gonna run around from this place to that place. You know, you're gonna be busier than ever. We content. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. In other words, we've lost sight of the fact that your stuff doesn't matter. 
that Jesus, in fact, said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his stuff, of his possessions, that you brought nothing into this world and you're not gonna be able to take anything out of it. Then he says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that alone. Really? Like, honestly, do you feel that way? If you just had the clothes that you're wearing and food to eat, that you'd be good. I don't think I would be. So am I content? And he says, people who wanna get rich fall into temptation and into a trap. And that's kind of what stress makes you feel like. It makes you feel uh, trapped and, and suffocated and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin. So when all this compounds and you feel stressed, you make bad decisions. When you feel stressed, you, you, you make some unwise, unhealthy choices, plunges men into ruin and into destruction. Then he lays it out for the love of money. Money is not bad, all right? Money is, not, is also not neutral. In fact, you know, it can have God's spirit on it or another spirit on it. We're gonna talk about that. But he says, for the love of money. So he's talking about something internal, right? This is an internal thing, not an external focus. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I think many of us find ourselves during the season feeling like this, miserable, pierced, like we've wandered away and we're, we're stressed out. We're not stress-less. We feel like we're in bondage. We've lost our focus. And so that's what I wanna talk about. Now, I've been thinking about this for a while. You're hearing this for the first time. So I might just be a little further in the progression than, than you are perhaps, although some of you have probably had this thought rolling around in your own mind and in your own heart as well. But let me just kind of take you on on the journey that I've been going on. I have been, I've had the, I've been so convicted by this. Because I caught myself recently when I was talking with someone telling them, hey, it's getting to the point where I don't even enjoy the Christmas season. I don't even enjoy it anymore. Because I, for us here at the church staff and for our teams here, the, the amount of work during this holiday season doesn't double, it triples. You know, like triples. And it gets nuts, it gets crazy. And every year it seems like it just compounds more and more and more. And I finally had to put the brakes on and say, hold on. Like not this year. I don't want it to always go back to, you know, dad doesn't have as much time as he used to have, you know, spending, you know, during this season. That's kind of what, what it is. I don't want to resolve to the fact that it's just going to be busy. So this last week, you know, our boys had off three days of school uh, and, and they're off Monday too. Chris and I are looking at each other like, go back to school. Why, like, why are you home right now? But anyway, that's a whole different message. So we decided, you know what? We're just gonna hang out with the guys. And so we were outside putting up lights around the house. It's kind of like pulling teeth a little bit with our little boys to get outside and do some stuff, you know. And then we put up the tree inside and, and turn the, the lights on. And, and yesterday, you know, they got out the, the Christmas ornaments and we were hanging those on the tree. There's two different kinds of trees, by the way. Like there's, there's the Southern living kind of tree, the Chip and Joanna Gaines tree. You know, everybody goes, ooh, ah. And then there's our tree that everybody just goes, ooh, you know, so... Maybe you have one of those trees. But we're pulling out the ornaments and putting them on, on the tree. 
And we, got the, we have the new ones that every single year our boys will get, you know, pick out an ornament and we'll write the, the year on it, you know, and all that kind of stuff and put their name on it. But then we have the old ones too. And so we pulled out this one that the little Wade made, our firstborn son, when he was probably, this was in 2010. So how old was he? Five. <laughs> gotta ask, you know, I forget. Got like four of these, these things running around my house, all right? Loose track. But he made this. He's five years old. He's got his picture on it. You know, it's got these little things put on the back of it. And you know what? Out of all this, the ornaments, this one means the most. It's, it's the, isn't it amazing that the stuff that costs zero dollars that a five-year-old made means, means the most to us? And then Kristen pulled out this one that, that her, her grandmother like knit her back in 1986. It says, Merry Christmas to Kristen, 1986. Like she made it. Still smells like grandma. <laughs> you know how grandmas have that smell? It's not good or bad, all right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. But these mean the most. This means the most. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to get back to this. Like whatever this is for you in this season. What I wanna help us do is to connect the dots to our hearts on what matters most to you. That we've gotten so lost with this drive of more and more and better and bigger and faster and newer that we've lost sight of what matters most. And so this message that I'm sharing with you today is not new. Like God has been screaming this through his word to us for years. In fact, the richest guy who ever lived named King Solomon, he tried to center his life on the stuff. In fact, he would tell us in, in Ecclesiastes chapter two that if I wanted it, I bought it. If I wanted it, I married it. If I wanted it, I got it. That there was nothing that he kept from himself, that if he wanted it, he took it, and he wrote this entire book in Ecclesiastes on how miserable all the stuff made him. And there he is in Ecclesiastes chapter five, where he says how trying all this stuff didn't work. And I want you to jot these down if you want to quickly, and then we're gonna talk about the solution for it. Let's go through these quick. He said, here's what I've discovered, that the more I have, the more that I want. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like the more that you have of something, it's kind of like you can't get enough of it. He said, the more I have, you know, the more it doesn't solve anything. It's like me and Krispy Kreme donuts, right? I, the more I have, the more I want. Everything in this church comes back to Jesus and Krispy Kremes, just so you guys know. My two love languages, Jesus and hot now, hot now. But he says, I've tried it all and it didn't do anything. So it could be like you saying, what was our Christmas budget last year? Let's double it. 117% of our income, um, what's, what's another few percent? Let's make it 120. Let's just go into debt even more and more. And Ecclesiastes 5.10, he says, those who love money never have enough. Never have enough. And then he also came to the conclusion that the more I have, in fact, the less I'm satisfied. And he said, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. It doesn't. It didn't work. I tried it, but it didn't work. And he also 
realizes the more I have, the more others want it. Have you ever noticed that? The more stuff you have, the more everyone else wants your stuff. And this is what he said in Ecclesiastes 5.11, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. That's so true. There was, a, there was one time where Kristen and I had, had a decent amount of money in the bank. We had just sold a house and we were getting ready to, to write the check, you know, for the down payment on the other house. So we had a big, you know, kind of equity amount. I think that's the right language. Ask the CPA. Uh, in the bank. And so before I go to the bank and I just drive through, they'd never say anything. Hey, Mr. Atkins, you know, here you go. Have a great day. How many of you know it changed when I had a lot of money in the bank? Like I got calls that week, Mr. Atkins, you know, we'd love to have you talk to you about, you know, your accounts and where you can invest. And I drove through the bank when we had a, a decent sum there in the bank for like a week. And the lady told me, Mr. Atkins, it's great to see you today. Are you losing weight? <laughs> when I came through here last week, you didn't ask me if I was losing weight, right? It's just funny. And I think the reality is, he says that the more I have, the more others want it. The more people come around to help you spend what you have. That's funny. I don't care what you think. That's funny. The more I have, the next one, the more I realize it didn't even meet my needs. A lot of the needs that you have, maybe it's, it's marital needs, maybe it's um, emotional, maybe it's physical, maybe some of your children are running as far from God, you know, as they can. Money won't solve any of that. And he says, I realize that this didn't even help didn't even meet my needs. Ecclesiastes 5.11, so what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. In fact, it caused me more stress the more I had. And I realized it didn't meet my needs. And here's the last one, this one's so true. The more I have, the more I have to worry about. Because he says the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. So if you think, hey, the answer to all my stress and my problems is I just need to make more money. Well, I would challenge you going to ask someone who makes more. And there's a pretty good chance that they sleep less than you do because they'll tell you, more money, more problems, right? There's more to manage, there's more to repair, there's more to replace, there's more to insure, there's more to store. It says more is not always better. Now again, now again, if you need some practical help with this at the beginning of the year, we're gonna offer it to you. But that's not what today is about. This is about helping you stress less now. Recovery takes time. Peace in your life can happen now. Why? Because peace is not built around your circumstances. It's not circumstantial, it's, it's internal. And I think here's a great place for us to start. Psalm 62, let this sink in. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. Hey, stop whatever you're doing, look up here. I pray that this is what you do today. That today you have this moment where you just stop and then you just wait quietly and that you find your hope in God. Maybe decide you're not gonna do all the running around, that you're just gonna stop and wait quietly. That you're not gonna go to everything, you're not gonna attend every single event, but you're gonna stop and you're just gonna rest. You're gonna find your hope in God he alone, verse six says, is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Each one of these verses, by the way, are beautiful on their own. 
They all stand alone. Verse seven, my victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Then he says, oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And then he tells us to stop and think about. It's what this word selah means, or interlude. It might say interlude in your version. But selah, all the psalms were songs. These were meant to be sung. And so what happens is you would sing through this verse, and then you'd see something called selah, which is a musical notation, which meant to stop. And then the instruments, the bands, you know, the, the hearts and lyres and flutes and all that kind of stuff would kind of play through the song again while you thought about what you just sang. Here's what I believe. If you just take this to heart right here, if you would have a few moments of Selah in the season, you would stress less. If you would just stop and pause and remember and rest in God, you would stress less. Then he says, verse nine, common people, are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales together, they're, they're nothing. They're lighter than a breath of air. So don't make your living by extortion. In other words, always thinking about how I can get more, more and more and more. He says, uh, or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, here's our key today, don't make it the center of your life. Don't make this the center of your life. So the question is, what is central to your life during this season? In fact, here's our question. What are you making the center of your life this season? This is a good question. This is where we stop and pause and ask God, what is it that we're making the center? Are we making the right thing central to our lives this season that will help us stress less. So the question becomes, what are the right things? I wanna offer you three things today. Three things that will give you peace today. Not later, but today if you do it. The first is this, center your lives around giving, not getting. Would you agree, yes or no, the spirit of Christmas is all about giving? Giving, yes, yes. But it's fun to get, isn't it? Let's be honest. Like, I like to get stuff too. But the spirit of Christmas, and I know you know this, is about giving, not getting. But let me offer you another thought on this, about what you're giving. Because maybe it's not just about you giving another present, but it's more about giving your presence, about giving your time. I would argue all day long that the most valuable thing that I have is not my money, is not giving another gift, but it's, it's my time. And so I would have you consider this year what it is that you're giving. Give your, your time, give your, your talents, give your abilities. You should consider giving that. Not only will that bless someone else, but that will bless you tremendously. I think you should consider, you know what, hey, this Christmas season, I know my church is doing, you know, six gym city Christmas experiences. And I wanna give my time. I wanna serve and be a part of that. And by the way, this is not an announcement because we need people, you know, for, for gym city. This purely is for you. But I think you should consider, hey, if, if you know, Pastor Colby and, and the band and all the teams can do six, you know, gym city experiences back to back to back, you know, then I can with my family bring, bring them and sit one and serve one. I can come together and I can enjoy one with my family and then I can also serve one 
and, and host other people as they come experience it too. I think we should consider what it is we're giving. Colby, where do you need me? Plug, plug me in. And if that's you, I would just say, hey, come back right after our second service today and go to Crash Course. This is week four, and we will find a good place for you to connect during Gym City. Like, I think we should consider what it is that we're, we're giving. You might say, well, I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. That's not true. Everybody in this room is a 10 as something. You do. You have a talent. Well, I don't have any money. That's okay. That might be true. But you have a smile. You can welcome someone at the door. You can say, hey, welcome. We're so glad to see you. You have your, your faith, I hope where you can say, hey man, let me pray with you about what's going on in your life. You all have something other than money to give. We should consider what it is that we are, are giving. And yes, there's gonna be an opportunity, right, for us to give financially. That's our Until Jesus Runs This Town offering that's gonna take place in a few weeks. We tell you about that way in advance so you can pray and you can consider what God would have you do. We always say, don't give under compulsion, right? Just ask God and then just do that. So we can continue to advance and, and, and reach further than before. My family's doing that. We'll, we'll get together with our boys and we'll say, hey boys, what do you guys think that we should give as a family for until Jesus runs his town above and beyond? But I just think we should get into the, the mindset of giving, not getting. And Jesus said this, that you're gonna be far happier when you do that. It's better giving than getting. Then 2 Corinthians 9, he tells us you'll be made rich in every way. So that's not just your money, right? That's your talents, that's your, that's your gifts, that's your abilities. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And yes, when you give, it benefits others, but I would argue all day long, it benefits you and me way more. And I'm just trying to help us discover peace and stress less this season. The second thing, that you need to center our life on is center our lives around true riches. True riches. Let me, let me help you understand what true riches, in fact, are. Follow this line of thinking. True riches are anything that lasts forever. Like everything that you buy or have bought or bought, you know, yesterday or two days ago during Black Friday, like everything that you buy for Christmas will eventually break or burn. That's a fact. But true riches are what lasts forever. We talked a little bit about it next week. The only thing that lasts forever is people. People are true riches. This is one of our, our core values here. First is Jesus is our message and then people are our heart. That we will do anything we can, anything short of sin to reach people, to impact as many people as we can. Because that's true riches. It's the stuff that actually matters. I found this, this article this week. Uh, it's called um, Dad Christmas Tips. I, I wanna read them to you for all the dads. Mothers, this applies to you too, but it just caught my eye because it said dads. Dad Christmas Tips. A dad needs a plan for the holidays to ensure his family is loved and memories are made. Hey, dad, what's your plan? Do you have a plan? A dad needs to lead the way and ensure his family is living and giving generously this holiday. Dad, who is in need that your family is going to adopt and bless and serve? A dad needs to carve out time for sacred events 
and traditions that will continually point his family to Jesus. So I'd say, Dad, is your calendar planned out for December? Don't run into December, run into you know, Christmas time without like prioritizing those things in your life. A dad needs to not let the stress of the holiday, including money, cause him to be irritable and grumpy with mom or the kids. So I'd say, Dad, how's your joy? You're really centered on what matters the most. A dad needs to make memories, not just give gifts. So dads, what memories are you making this holiday? A dad needs to manage the extended family schedules this holiday season. Honey, your mom can come for three hours, not three days. Maybe that's what you gotta say, I don't know. But this is saying, Dad, what do you need to say no to? Who or what do you need to say no to? Manage the extended family this, this season. A dad needs to schedule a big Christmas date with his daughter. Those of you that have daughters, so important for you to, to show them how valuable they are to you. A dad needs to schedule God time with his son. So dad, what are you doing that's active, that's fun, that's outdoors? And a dad needs to snuggle up with his boys and watch Elf on the couch. I added that one. I think that's just that's something we're gonna do. But I read you that because here's what, what that means. That means that somehow in the middle of the holiday hustle, everything that's going on, that it's Kristen that matters. It's Wade that matters. It's Jake, it's Park, it's Gray for me that matters most. And I might even do something for our dumb little dog we got running around. <laughs> Just don't want us to lose sight during the season of, of what matters. Stop and make sure that your life is centered around true riches. True riches are what? Come on, say that. True riches are what? People, because people last. Everything else burns. Luke 16, nine, Jesus is talking. He says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, you may, uh, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I'm gonna explain that verse. It's a little confusing, but I'll get back to that. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you uh, your true, to, to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. A lot of people will say both God and money, but that's not the right um, translation. Um, mammon, like I, I said earlier, there are two spirits on your money. There's, there's either God's spirit on it or there's the spirit of mammon on it, which is the devil's spirit, the evil spirit that's on your money. Money is not neutral. It has one or two spirits on it. That's a fact. And so he's saying, take what's unrighteous, the unrighteous, and make it righteous. How do we do that? By using it for true riches, by, by following God's plan with it. And he says, use that unrighteous mammon, make it righteous to impact people, to make friends, and use it in such a way, he says, so that when you fail, now that's a terrible translation, because that just means, it doesn't mean you failed, failure, it means when you die. So when you die, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Here's what that says. Take whatever God has given you and leverage it in such a way that it impacts people and it makes a difference for their eternity. 
so that when you die, they will be there in heaven receiving you saying, thank you. And like, thank you for the way that you gave. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the way that you live. Because of you, it's made a difference in eternity for me. So thank you. He says, use it that way. Understand, and he says, what true riches are and leverage everything you have for the only thing that matters, which is people. Then he says, God looks at you and says, hey, if you're not faithful with a little bit, you know, how can you be faithful with with a lot that I want to give you. But if you handle what I wanna give you, I'll give you more. And I think God's looking for people. I think God's looking for a church. I think God's looking for those of you that get that, that understand it's really all about people. It's what true riches are. And I'm preaching about 65% better than you're responding this morning, all right? Just saying, throwing that out there. It's about people. I want at the end of my life, Here's what I want. I want my boys to say, you know what? My dad was crazy. He didn't always get it right. But there was no one more generous than him. I want you to say, you know what? That that PC, that Pastor Colby, he is psycho. Maybe don't say that. He gave away, you know, from our church, millions of dollars to help people in need, to serve this city, this community, to make a difference around the world. There's no one more generous. That's what I want people to say about this church. At the end of the day, is your life centered around true riches? And the last one, the last one is this, and honestly, this is the one that you might not like. Because while it helps you now, is not about now. This last one actually focuses us in the right direction, and that is this, center our lives on heaven. Your grandparents understood this. My grandparents understood this. My grandparents would sing songs like, when we all get to heaven, What a day of rejoicing that will be. See, a lot of times you and I, we want a better now. We want a better today. They were looking for a better one day. They were looking forward to, here's what they said. You know, I know I'm stressed out. I know I got so much going on in my life right right now, but don't miss this. Even if it doesn't get resolved, here and now, I'm not living for now. I'm just passing through. That we're looking for a better, a better now. And Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a better place for your future. An eternity in heaven where there's no, there's no stress. There's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no, there's no cancer, there's no sickness, there's no dying, there's no death. The hot light is always on in heaven. Praise Jesus. And I think if we can just get this now, where your focus is, like you walk out of these doors different. You'll walk out of here with peace in your heart, not stress in your life. You'll walk out of here centered on the right things. 
around true riches, around giving, and around heaven. So you know what? If it doesn't work out on this side of eternity, if I, if I lose my, my dad to cancer, if I lose my mom to cancer, if I lose you know, someone to, to some sickness or disease, that sucks. It's terrible. But that's not the end. That he's just passing through. My dad just passed through. My mom just passed through. That their hope is in heaven. And for those of you that this doesn't bring comfort to you, I think I, I might have a suggestion as to why. I'm gonna talk about that in just a second. But Colossians 3 says this, since then, you have been raised with Christ. He set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You follow that, you'll stress less. For those of you that maybe this doesn't bring comfort, it could be that your confidence is not in eternity. It could be that your confidence is in your ability. It could be your confidence is in all the stuff that you can manage and create, and you're just running around. You are losing your mind. The Bible tells us that for God so loved you that he gave his son for you, and that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would see heaven but would have an everlasting life. So it could be the fact that, that you feel stressed, it could be the fact that you have no peace, is that you've never placed your confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross. So you're still living in that, that man, it's all up to me. Well, it's not up to you. It's never been up to you. In fact, God loved you so much that during this season, what happened and the thing that we celebrate, that we've forgotten about, was that he sent Jesus to rescue you, to rescue me, to give us a new life, to give us a fresh start, not to give us stress, anxiety, pain, but to give us peace. That's what he wants to give you today. And so here's what I want us to do. Bow your head all across this room. We are gonna take a moment to Selah. God speaks into our hearts and into our lives. And it's time for us to wait quietly. And while we're waiting quietly, let me ask you these questions. What is central to your life this season? Like, is it, is it giving or is it getting? Is it true riches? Is it people? Like, how do you get back? How do you reconnect the dots to, to the things that matter most, the homemade gifts? Man, the hanging out with people you love, being with family, being with, being with friends, not letting anything else drive that. How do you reconnect with what matters most? God, I pray, I pray that we would leave this room filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with a, a brand new outlook on what and where we can focus our efforts and our time this season. 
And for remember, it's not all about stuff, but it's about the substance of it. And for those of you all who are praying, you might say the reason that I, that doesn't bring me peace is I don't have a relationship with God. Well, you're here today for that reason. I believe God brought you to this moment because he wanted you to know once again how much he loves you and cared for you, that he wants to release the, the bondage in your life. He wants to break the chains of, of sin in your life, in my life, because we're all sinners. The only difference between me and someone who doesn't know Jesus, we're all sinners. It's just I've allowed Jesus to pay for my sin. And today could be your day to allow him to pay for your sin. The way we do that is through prayer. And I wanna lead you in that prayer right now. Maybe you've never prayed this. Maybe you, know, you haven't prayed this in a long time. You just need to recommit your life to God. You need to get centered on what matters the most. And that is that Jesus died for you so you could live for him. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that today, I'm gonna pray with you. Would you raise your hand without looking around? I just wanna see who's praying this. Just hold it up high. Be bold. Today is my day. Today is my day. I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make God the center of my life. I wanna say thank you to Jesus. I'm gonna leave here with peace in my heart, knowing that I'm living for him. Awesome, you can put your hands down all over this room. You can repeat after me. You can whisper it to God. You can pray it out loud. Jesus, be my savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could find peace, so that I could find hope, so that I could find freedom, so that the chains of sin could be broken once and for all, and so that past, present, and future sin in my life is covered by the blood of Jesus. And so forgive me. And from this moment, I confess you as Lord and as Savior. I put you first in my life. You are central in Jesus' name. Amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.